0: All right, good evening, everyone. It's a blessing to be able to share with you a message from God's Word tonight, and uh, I hope hope you're as blessed by hearing it as I was uh, by preparing it. Uh, This last week was uh, a roller coaster of emotions for me. Last Sunday night, uh, I had to finish. Uh, and submit a group research paper in order to to officially graduate. So my fate hinged on three other people getting it all together, right? Uh, So by God's grace, we got it done and we got the grade, the graduation. Uh, Monday morning, uh, I went to work with a renewed determination to be my most efficient self, right? I was excited by Wednesday to see leap and bounds in progress. Then Wednesday afternoon, something unexpected and of seismic magnitude shook our team, and suddenly we were all feeling scattered, disillusioned, and even now I, I feel as though I'm in a bit of a daze from that. In these moments of intense emotion, positive and negative, I'd frequently find myself saying a quick prayer, help me, Lord, please, or thank you, Lord, uh, when something came through. And oftentimes, uh, anyone here fan of musicals at all? Yeah? What about Fiddler on the Roof? Okay, this is probably my favorite musical. And Tevye is my favorite character because he's just so quirky, and he just has these, these, you know, sideline conversations with God throughout, right? Sometimes I sometimes I feel like that. Just I'm in a situation and I'm just talking it through with, with God. And as I reflect on those prayers and those made more formally, say during devotions, preceding a meal, or or any other similar occasion, I can't help smile as I think about how gracious God was in answering. Perhaps there's a prayer that you made that stands out your mind due to its significance. Maybe you had some major circumstance that you needed his grace dealing with, searching for a new job, dealing with health issues, seeking wisdom in your marriage, whatever that situation might be. During the exodus of the Jewish people from Egypt to Canaan, Moses constantly found himself in need of God's grace. Moses was a servant of God who's described in Scripture as being a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. And we know from Hebrews 11 that he was a justified man. Though I wouldn't compare any one of us to Moses, uh, there are several applications from his life uh, that we can make to our own. So please, if you're, if you're not already there, Exodus chapter 33, we're going to begin with verse 11 to provide some context until we arrive at our main text in verse 17. Please follow along with me. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, Leave this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and you have also found favor with me. Now if I've indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And he replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. From this text, a particular thought stood out most clearly in my mind that can be summarized in one sentence the Lord answers the cries of his people. And I'd like to share three observations from the text that demonstrate this truth. Number one, God's people are defined. Number two, God's people cry out to him. And number three, God's people are answered. So let's begin with our first point, which again is that just as Moses was defined in Scripture as one of God's people, We know that God's people are divine. Moses was not considered one of God's people simply due to his Hebrew ancestry, but because he was justified by God, because he was declared righteous by God. Furthermore, he was described as being known of God by name, pointing to the intimate, personable relationship that they share. This is contrasted with a sort of head knowledge, sort of knowing, right? Right? to have information about something, it's, it's markedly different from that. You know, John Piper would say something uh, to quote, you can read theology 10 hours a day for 40 years and not know God is beautiful and all satisfying as the highest treasure of your life. This knowledge is, is much more the kind that we're, that we're talking about in this text. But not only was Moses declared righteous and known by God, but he also demonstrated righteous living. Through his spiritual maturity, we get an idea from James in chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, what characteristics you can expect from a maturing believer. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. And these fruits are born over time in the life of a believer who lives. By the Spirit and keeps in step with the Spirit. Moving on to our second point, just as Moses cried out to God, even so do God's people cry out to him. And there are several distinct characteristics of their prayers. They pray regularly. As we look throughout Exodus, we see Moses approach God time and time again. So much so that we see, even in this text, that a level of familiarity forms. Verse 11, the Lord would speak with Moses face to face just as a man speaks with his friend. They prayed believingly. So clear is Moses' faith in God that he knew the difference between Israel's success or failure in claiming their promised land was dependent on whether God was present with them and blessing them. They prayed needfully. Moses felt the weight of need pressing down on him, and he could not help but go to the one who's capable of fulfilling our every need. They prayed importunately, or earnestly, urgently. Due to the urgency and direness of the situation facing the nation of Israel, Moses prayed importunately to God. He would not cease from praying until God answered him. You see him go back and forth with God a couple times. This is reminiscent of Christ's parable of the importunate friend in Luke. Uh, chapter 5, uh, sorry, in Luke. He, he also said to them, uh, Jesus now, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Come right back to that moment. They pray selflessly. That is, they pray not to fulfill their own desire or even loss, but to fulfill God's will in their lives. God made it pretty clear that in spite of his intent to punish the nation of Israel for their sin, Moses would be preserved. He'd create a nation out of him. But Moses was not content just to be blessed himself. His heart was inclined both for God's promises to be upheld and that the people of Israel be given mercy. Even so, we ought to pray with right motives, motives that seek to glorify God and bless others. And then uh, finally, two more here. They pray individually. Most times that you read about Moses' conversations with God, they they appear to be one-on-one. It's a a back and forth between the two. And and God certainly intends for us to earnestly seek him out in our individual prayer lives. Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, And then they pray corporately. Although not explicitly seen in this text, this corporate prayer, we're told in James that we are to pray for one another. The Christian life is not to be lived in a silo, and neither is our prayer life. And finally now, with our third point, just as Moses was answered, even so, God's people hear our answer. We know that God's people are answered because we know that they are heard. Moses was given assurance directly by God that he heard Moses' prayers and that he was committed to answering them. We know from Scripture that the Lord's ear is not too deaf to hear. He hears us because he loves us. In Luke 11, Christ says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As PJ said this morning, God is not indifferent to our suffering. He's not indifferent to us. And he delights to bless us. If the man in the parable of this importunate friend eventually even troubled himself to help that annoying friend banging on his door at midnight, how much more does our good and loving God delight to answer when we pray? And we know that he hears us because... Just if you even take a step back and look at uh, the sacrificial work of Christ, the fact that he was even willing to sacrifice his own son for our good, we can know that he truly cares for us. If he wouldn't withhold this greatest thing, he would not withhold from us even more uh, daily goods. I mean. We also know that God's people are answered because they are effectively provided for Matthew 10, our Lord says, aren't two sparrows sold for a, far, uh, for, for a penny? Uh, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Because God is all sufficient, we know that he has all that is necessary for our good. Because he is sovereign, we know that he has authority overall, including our life circumstances. Because he's providential, We know that he provides for all our needs. In conclusion, it's clear from God's word that the Lord answers the cries of his people. Moses' prayer was heard by God and was the difference between the destruction and preservation of the nation of Israel. So then, in application, we're left to ask ourselves a few questions. First, Are you one of God's people? Have you had a saving encounter with Jesus Christ? Or on judgment day, will Jesus turn to you and say that he never knew you? If you're here tonight and you do not know the Lord, then you do not have the promise that God is answering when you pray. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote to a church of believers, reminding them of their lives before Christ. He wrote the following. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, and without God in the world. Just like those believers, you do not need to continue on without hope and without God. And I urge you to seek after Jesus and place your trust in him as Savior from your sin. To the believer, I encourage you to intentionally and earnestly draw ever nearer to the Lord to submit to his revealed will, and to keep in step with the Spirit and his fruit-bearing work in your life? Second question of three. Do you cry out to him? I can tell you certainly that I did not go to him nearly as much as I should. And I, I felt most convicted by the call to pray importunately to God. Too often, I've allowed what I thought was unanswered prayer to deter me from continuing to pray for that thing. We ought to examine ourselves and ask the Lord to work on our hearts that we might be more faithful in our prayer lives. And third, how has he answered you? This is a great opportunity to reflect. Frequently, we allow ourselves to get so carried away with the cares and distractions of this world around us that we fail to recognize and remember when God has answered our prayers. A famous Christian saying goes, prayer will make a man cease from sin or will man to from prayer. So, we ought to turn our answered prayers into opportunities to give thanks to God, both in our own individual prayers to Him, in our one-on-one time with the Lord, and in our conversations with others, that they might see God's power displayed through your life. Our answered prayers are also one of the means that God uses to strengthen our faith in Him. So that when future trials and needs arise, like trained children, we know exactly where to go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to open up your word and uh, see this promise. Uh, and see this played out in, the, in this experience of Moses. And to apply it in our lives, Lord. Help us to be faithful and seeking after you and, and, and with, with earnest prayer. and. and faithfully. Pray that we might be able to go home with something from this text that we can apply in our lives and Lord we give you the praise and glory for that in Jesus name.